The following contains graphic details about murder that some listeners might find disturbing. Don't say we didn't warn ya. In March of 1989, the city of Matamoros in the northern Mexican state of Tamaulipas made front-page news in the United States and Mexico after the disappearance of 21-year-old University of Texas pre-med student Mark Kilroy. Mark Kilroy and his friends had crossed the border after spending some time in South Padre Island, Texas. They were looking for some fun and cheap alcohol on the other side of the border in the Mexican city of Matamoros. His friends reported him missing on March 15, 1989, when he failed to return to their hotel after a night of partying. His friends and family feared the worst. It wasn't until April 1, 1989, that the police received a lead. Elio Hernandez failed to stop at a routine checkpoint in Matamoros. The police tailed Hernandez, who led them to Santa Elena Ranch. There, Police expected to find marijuana, other drugs, and weapons. You know, a normal bust. What they found turned out to be more horrifying. Santa Elena Ranch was the headquarters of Adolfo Constanzo, a Cuban-American from Florida who had recently established his home in Matamoros. As the police dug deeper, they found the bodies of 13 victims buried behind the ranch, some mutilated beyond recognition and one as young as 14. But among the bodies was that of Mark Kilroy. He had been kidnapped, blinded, and gagged, and kept in a 15 by 25 foot darkened shack. There, he had been tortured and sodomized before being taken outside the shack and executed with a machete blow to the head. His brain had been boiled, and his legs and arms chopped off. He had been sacrificed by what the media called a narco-satanico cult. Adolfo Constanzo, known as El Padrino, along with his accomplices, were followers of Palo Mayombe, a form of the Santeria religious system, whose adherents believed that by sacrificing people, they could become invincible to law enforcement. Constanzo fled shortly after the bodies were found, but he was quickly tracked down by police. He was soon surrounded, and he died after ordering one of the cult members to kill him with a machine gun. In 1993, other members were found guilty of murder and drug trafficking. This story was written by Orkidia and Brenda, with sources from a Tang Magazine article called Cults of the Red-Haired Devil, A Drug Bust Uncovers an Evil Brew of Satanism and Murder and from Wikipedia. Welcome back to our podcast, Monstras. Um, I'm Brenda, and... I'm Orquidea. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about death again! <laughs> <laughs> Once again. So in the last episode, we totally talked about death, and we're continuing that trend on... Um, we talked about Dia de los Muertos, so if you haven't listened to that, please check it out. Uh, today, we're actually going to be continuing our conversation about death, but we're going to take it in a different direction. So, rather than talk about celebrating those that have passed, what happens when we celebrate death itself? Can we worship death? So, yeah, that felt like a very somber introduction. 
But <laughs> today we will be talking about just that. So today's topic is the folk saint La Santa Muerte. Others call her La Niña de Blanco, Saint Death, uh, Saint of Death. I'm not sure which English translation is right. So for those who don't know, uh, Spanish, La Niña de Blanco means a little girl in white, right? Yeah, little girl in white. Okay. So uh, what else were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, no. Uh, so there are... There are a few things that pop to mind when people hear Santa Muerte. One response might be, what the hell is that? <laughs> others might ask, you mean the Grim Reaper? Uh, no. And others <laughs> might say, oh, the Narco Saint. So uh, we're going to put some bones on this ephemeral figure today. And that's oh. pun totally intended. Yeah. Damn. That's I such hate a- puns. <laughs> Then yet you made one. Anyways. I know. <laughs> Sometimes you can't help it. It so, was perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was a perfect fit. You're right. So then we have found so much cool information about Santa Muerte uh, that we've decided to actually split into two episodes to do her justice and make sure that she doesn't actually hate us yeah. <laughs> in any sort of way. <laughs> um, yes, I do not want to have her ire upon me. Um, that's not cool. In our first episode of this two-parter, we're actually going to be talking about Mark Kilroy's murder, which was the intro for this week's uh, episode, uh, and his murder in Matamoros and its relationship to Santa Muerte and Santa Muerte's connection to narco violence. So is she really a narco saint? In the second episode, we're at, we will actually explore what the Catholic Church says about Santa Muerte and her believers, but also explore what believers of Santa Muerte actually think of her. So think of it as in we're exploring two essential perspectives, the outside perspective of what Santa Muerte is uh, or what people think she is, and then what actually people who worship her think she is. So let's go into one of my favorite parts of this episode, which is well, I shouldn't even say it that way. It's but too late. You've said it. I've said it. It's too late. I can't take it back. Kiroi's death. So as we talked about at the beginning with the beginning story, it's a brutal story. It's a brutal crime that really shocked a lot of people. And I personally love studying true crime. So this story in particular was so fascinating. So why? But see, this is the thing. When you sent me the story, Orkidia. I was like, well, why are we talking about this story? And how does it relate to Santa Muerte? I think, so I'm also a fan of true crime. Um, so when I oh, saw good. the chance to include that in here, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the story I've been interested in for a while, just because I'm, I'm also from South Texas. Um, so I'm close to where, where he crossed the border and was killed. Um and I wrote about it in my dissertation too a little bit. So when I saw that Santa Muerte came up in the research we were doing for this episode mm-hmm. in relation to the case, I was really surprised because I hadn't seen that before. I had totally missed that connection. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is the perfect story to start because it connects all these different things. Uh, like you were talking about the, the, the cover of the Santa Muerte story is connected through like narco violence uh, Satanism and the border. That's awesome. So one question that we really want to get answered in this first part 
uh, of this two-part episode is was Kilroy's murder really uh, by Santa Muerte worshippers? Like, were they Santa Muerte worshippers? So before we get started into that, let's look into what Santa Muerte even looks like. What, like, what is her figure? So La Santa Muerte's image is traditionally a figure of a skeleton holding a scythe in one hand. So yes, very much reminiscent of the Grim Reaper, but with a few exceptions. Uh, sometimes she has scales in the other hand, so a scythe in one and scales in the other. She wears a long robe with a hood that covers all of her body except her skeletal face, hands, and sometimes feet. The majority of Santa Muerte followers are from the working class, and the religion has attracted a lot of marginalized groups. Her powers are varied and wide, depending on who you ask. Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, a lot of her worshippers are are looking to her for help with economic prosperity, um, help against violent crime, actually. Um, anything you would ask God or any saint for or anyone you worship, they would ask Santa Muerte. So, for example, if I wanted to win the lottery, I would pray to La Santa and I would promise her that if I win the lottery, I will light a candle in her honor once a month. So it's just like any other saint, except with her, the fear is like, let's say I do win the lottery and I stop lighting my monthly candle. Mm -hmm. Her revenge might be more intense than if I didn't keep a promise that I made to like Virgin Mary or whatever. So that's why people are so afraid of her. I I was reading this article um, from CNN by Ressa Aslan where she was talking about how um, the followers describe her as a kind of spiritual spiritual protector um, Mm -hmm. for a growing legion of Mexicans who feel unprotected by the state and cast aside by the Catholic Church. So again, people that have no one to turn to start turning to her. This might include those that participate in illegal activities, such as selling drugs, so that's where the narco comes in. But it also includes other marginalized communities, like the LGBTQ communities in Mexico. Uh, So these communities, not unlike what we see in the U.S., find themselves ostracized and face face day-to-day violence, so they turn to Santa Muerte. Mm. Um, And I think we'll touch on those practitioners a lot more. On the next episode but I wanted to, to mention them as well the other thing too is that people should know and maybe if they're not familiar with Mexico but Mexico is not actually very advanced in terms of uh, LGBTQ rights especially uh, even now right or do they they do allow gay marriage now right I think so yeah but I mean I don't feel comfortable saying Mexico's not advanced because the U.S. is shit at it too. So then, it's true. then we get into this idea of like you know some like first world countries and third world countries. Overall, true. there's shitty <laughs> legislation that does not support LGBTQ communities. This is true, uh, but I just was thinking of like the more machismo culture because I had a friend whose uncle was actually but this was back in like the 80s where a lot of persecution of lgbtq folks was still going on uh especially gay men yeah 
I think are always seen as a threat to in in very patriarchal machista societies. So he actually got cut across the stomach. Like he they they cornered him, they jumped him, and then they tried to kill him by actually slicing his stomach open. So he, to this day, like he would lift up his shirt, and you could see like a, a jagged line of a scar across his stomach. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, 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 it was crazy. Uh, I was just going to say, I know transgender communities do have a really hard time currently in Mexico. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, they have a really, I mean, they have a hard time in, in the U.S. too. Uh, I was just thinking about like the machista culture, I think sometimes is a little more intense, especially back in the day. Yeah. But even true. though today, yeah, they're both bad. Yeah. They both suck. Uh, they could do more, essentially. Yeah. Everywhere sucks is the message of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so let's all Thanks. worship Santa Muerte. <laughs> Yay! But I did want to talk about um, our relationship with Santa Muerte. So I, we've done that in the previous episodes, our relationship with the monster um, mm-hmm. or the creature or the, the myth or whatever. Um, so I don't think I've mentioned this before but one of my yeah. aunts would actually read tarot cards and shit like that did i mention that before no you have never mentioned that to me before okay. that's awesome yeah yeah she, it was really fun so i grew up with all that weird shit which explains a lot it um, does <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way yeah <laughs> i don't mean it in a bad way i'm like uh, oh that makes you an interesting fun person <laughs> i will tell one day my story of uh, going to uh, curandera Oh, fun. Oh, we need to do a yeah. Curandero episode, too. Oh, that's true. What? Oh, my God. Uh, why didn't we think of that? I don't know. I'm going to add that. I'm going to tell my story of the Curandero in Watts. Oh, my I went gosh. to Watts. Yeah, it's super fascinating. I'll, oh. Yeah, I'll tell it in that episode. Okay. So if you want to listen to that episode, or if you want to know that story, listen to that episode. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. <laughs> <Keep them wanting laughs> more. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. Well, so my aunt would do like tarot cards and things like that, um, and she. I just always remember her having this like giant image of La Santa Muerte in her room. So I talked. Oh. Asked my mom about it because I. It's been a while, and I obviously don't remember. And my aunt passed away um, quite a few years ago, um, mm. but so my mom was talking about remembering my aunt using Santa Muerte in the 80s so that's whoa yeah so in northern Mexico in Reynosa she was already present in the 80s so it's not just a recent phenomenon she's been around for a while Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah I just remember her always being there and always being in really shiny jewelry like my aunt had like the biggest medallion with Santa Muerte on it so I thought she was cool but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. I want that medallion. Right? So how about you? Did you did you know about her? No. Absolutely not. I did, I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing. I literally the only exposure I had gotten f- about her was through you when we were designing the logo for the podcast and you mentioned Santa Muerte, who is now our cover art and our logo. And that's the only exposure I ever got to her, but I've never heard of her in the past before. You know, I don't know why. I don't I think I don't think there's anything like it in El Salvador or anything like that. Okay. 
I wonder yeah. if people are worshiping her there now too, though. It could have easily crossed yeah. the border and and moved down south, but I haven't seen any evidence of it. A lot of people, I think, I could imagine, like especially like my family, kind of think about it as demon, demon or something, or it's kind of what the view. Spoiler alert for our <laughs> second episode um, of what the Catholic Church might think of her. Yeah. So it's understandable. I mean, it's it's death, so she is a little scary. She is, and she looks a little scary. And you know, you have the Grim Reaper to compare her to, mm-hmm. and if you put the two side by side people are usually the grim reaper isn't seen in a positive like light or is worshipped in any sort of way the green reaper is there to kill you and take you away yeah but so i think people looking at it from that lens are gonna see santa muerte and be like whoa esta es un demonio you know (laughs) (laughs) she's a demon she's a demon um so let's move on to the next section so we really uh, at this point, I want to return to kind of our beginning question now that we've described what Santa Muerte looks like and a little bit about who worships her. The question is, you know, were Kilroy's murderers really Santa Muerte worshippers? And what is the relationship between Santa Muerte and narco violence? And I guess this would be a good point to start uh, saying what we mean by narco and narco violence. So narco is short for... Um, narco traffickers or narco traficantes people that grow smuggle sell drugs and i found this research really interesting because i've done a little bit of research on narcos in the 90s in the 2000s not too much into the the early uh period so i went back to the 50s and 60s and found some information on how there were narcos in mexico in the sense that there were people growing and selling drug drugs but at a very very small scale so it wasn't anything as big as what we imagine today so yeah someone had to fuel the (laughs) the crazy drug addicts of the 60s you know someone had to fuel the summer of love (laughs) it had to come from somewhere i think a lot of it came from the u.s government if we're gonna think conspiracy theories (laughs) actually you're right You're right. What was it? Oh, that's hilarious. Is it LSD for the soldiers? What were they giving them? It was LSD, I think, wasn't it heroin, too, at one point? Was it? From Vietnam vets? Isn't it heroin? I believe you. That's intense. (laughs) I have no idea. I really don't take take everything I say with a grain of salt, because I know they did give them drugs. I think it was cocaine, actually. Okay. It was something fucked up. <laughs> I, th- I it thought was it was LSD at up. some point. Uh, I'm, I but... wouldn't be surprised if it was LSD. They were doing some crazy shit in like the 40s and 50s, like with Project... God, what is that project where they were trying to figure out if people could uh, like mentally project themselves and see other... Remote viewing. It was remote viewing. They were trying to like experiment. It was just crazy. I've never they were, they were heard all... of that. Oh my God, I need to tell, okay. Well, I'll tell you about it more, but essentially it's like, it was like this government secret project. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was crazy and yeah, it was bananas. Everyone was on drugs. I just assume everyone was on LSD at that point. Fun times, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. 
So by the in Mexico by the seventies or eighties, that's when it started to to change and it started to become more organized. So in the fifties and sixties, it was small scale. Then by the eighties, it was pretty big, and that was because they were working in conjunction with the Colombian cartels. So Colombians oh, wow. were like smuggling stuff into the U.S. through Florida, but then things got really tight there. So they were like, we can just go through Mexico, you know. Oh, that's how Mexico got ro- roped in. Because, yeah, Colombia, I remember there's a couple stories or true crime stories that I remember that have to do with Colombia and drugs. But it was from, like, the 70s and 60s. Yeah. So this is how the two came together. And this is how uh, Mexico became a bigger exporter. And later on in the 90s, it was a uh, grower exporter at a like a very high level as well. Um, so one of the first cartels was in Guadalajara. It was the Guadalajara cartel. And it was actually started by a police officer. Um, what? Yeah. And that Don't was... trust those cops. <laughs> Don't trust nobody. Nobody. <laughs> but I mean, that makes sense. If I imagine if it was around the 1980s, he's arresting people that are selling and moving drugs or is in contact with Colombians that are smuggling drugs into Mexico, then... He's like, I can do this. Yeah. (laughs) If this asshole can do it, I can do it. (laughs) So (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, and that's a little bit of the the narco history. Um, In recent years, it's become a lot more popular. Um, There's music, movies, clothing, books, memorabilia, anything you can think of that talks about narco culture and that celebrates narco culture and that has also included santa muerte imagery so many cartels have santa muerte altares tattoos jewelry for sure which is nice and shiny i feel like a cat (laughs) you're like i want that shiny jewelry and i want it right now i do want that shiny jewelry it's so tacky I shouldn't oh say God, that. Oh my God, really? Yes. Have you seen those horrible... Like, no, uh, I haven't. I'll post a picture okay, well, on the Twitter thing. <laughs> okay, on the Twitter thing. The, Excellent. I'm an old lady, okay? <laughs> You're not even that old. So <laughs> you just don't like technology. I like... Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, go on. Um, so the that's, that's one of the ways that Santa Muerte has been connected. Um with Los Carteles, um, with the drug cartels. It's been through media and how the drug cartels have used her in their aesthetic, in their look. That's crazy. So one of the examples um, that comes from the article for the Daily Tejan, Texan? Daily Texan? Texan? I don't know why I said it in Spanish. Um, Daily Texan professor Andrew Chestnut said that Santa Muerte has also become associated with organized crime. Chestnut said the first time Santa Muerte was reported in the media was following the death of UT student Mark Kilroy in 1989. Kilroy was kidnapped from South Padre Island during spring break and used as a human sacrifice in Mexico. Yeah, that story had everything I ever could have wanted. I know it's really sad, but... In looking at the, I was reading a little bit more about the case and there's a few more details that made it particularly gruesome and I think is what the media, what started shaping the media's idea of what Santa Muerte is and and the narco uh, worship of these different deities. 
uh, a few more details of the case. So specifically for Mark Kilroy that, uh, that I didn't say in the little short story at the beginning is that all of the bodies that were found in the Kilroy case had been mutilated. So there were 12 bodies found total. All of them had ears, nipples, testicles removed. And this is according to a Time article on the killings. In that same article, it describes a shack that was located and found in the property. They found within the shack an iron pot which contained dried blood, a charred human brain, and a roasted turtle. Other containers had held a witch's brew of human hair, a goat's head, and chicken parts, which is crazy. <laughs> that's one hell of a stew, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Other details that I kind of remember from the top of my head is also that they, that all the victims were male. So all 13 victims were men is what i read on online they also at one point for poor kilroy they after they killed him they actually stuck a wire up his spine yeah and pulled out all his bones they did that for a few of them i think to make jewelry oh that makes sense i was like why this doesn't make any sense the other thing that i didn't understand and i don't know if you know this and this is pretty gruesome uh but i was thinking about it i was like why did they sodomize him so i mean (laughs) that's a long pause (laughs) (laughs) i can't get into their head obviously and i yeah exactly (laughs) But I figured, but maybe you had some insight into why this was part of, like, how is it part, is it part of the worship or is it just something that they just added as torture? Yeah, no, I think what that was was probably more related to masculinity and um, this idea. So the idea was that if they sacrificed an American, they would gain more power than if they sacrificed a Mexican. So I think that that was the the idea of like sodomizing him as a form of virility. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's that's because I was I was wondering. Yeah, because I was wondering. I was like, why why would you do this? Like, it doesn't make any sense in the context of everything else. So then, uh, the way Santa Muerte is connected to this case in particular is that in another article. They mentioned that in one of the photographs of the Tamal, Tamalipas mm-hmm. ranch, and that's the one that the ranch that he was found in and all the bodies were found in, there was a small statuette of La Santa Muerte. So that's really interesting. There is another crime that is linked to Santa Muerte, and we're actually going to go through some of those crimes besides the Kilroy case. The Kilroy case, I think, started kind of everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, and these connections, so another crime that was linked to Santa Muerte takes place in 1998 with uh, Daniel Ares who was also linked to Santa Muerte when police found a shrine to her in his house. So Ares was also known as la, uh, the Mocharo, Mocha Orejas, right? Yeah. Mocha Orejas, what does that mean? Uh, cut ears. Oh, see, I know what orejas meant, but I don't know what mocha meant. I was like, mocha. No. Like the drink? (laughs) Mocha ears? What? He drinks his coffee through his ears. (laughs) 
amazing. Um, so Arismendi actually ended up kidnapping roughly 18 people between 1996 and 1998 until he was caught in Mexico City and the surrounding areas uh, is where he picked up people, all from wealthy families. So what he would do is he would cut off the ear of the hostage and then mail it to the families asking for ransom. Oh, now this makes sense. Like, mochaure has. Yeah. Cut ears. That's fucked up. <laughs> That's real fucked up. I will say that in some of his mugshots and the pictures when he was getting arrested, he looked really proud of himself. Wow. Yeah, most people, I guess most people do. Yeah. <laughs> most of these dudes do, I guess. So what did you find? So I found um, two other cases. I did want to mention, too, on the Mark Kilroy. So the reason that we also started off with him was because it was it was so such a big case in the U.S. because an American was killed. So even though all the other victims had been brutalized in a very in a very similar way because they were Mexican victims, they were kind of ignored. But oh, yeah, that makes sense. We had a, 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 a college student from Austin this happened to them that's when it was like whoa there's something really shitty going on in mexico more than we thought yeah that's pretty fucked up that it took a white guy getting killed to find out this horrific crime was taking place yeah and so then um i found two other cases and i'm sure there are, are a lot of other cases of cartels and and um drug violence in relation to Santa Muerte, but these are the ones that seemed really interesting. So there's uh, Gilberto Garcia Mena, a.k.a. El June. See, I don't know if this is June or Jun, or June. Because hmm. <laughs> we pronounce it in Spanish. Yeah, whatever. You can say it in, I guess, okay. June. El June. El uh, June. <laughs> who, who was arrested um, in 2010, also in Tamaulipas. Um, wow, there's some fucked up shit going on in Tamaulipas. I was born in Tamaulipas, okay? <laughs> oh, well, that just reiterates what I said. <laughs> oh, my I'm poor kidding. heart. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, uh, so the, I mean, you might not be wrong. <laughs> uh, this guy, Garcia Mena, he was one of the major leaders of the Gulf Cartel. He was linked to drug smuggling, um, mostly cocaine. And yeah. murder, Delicious of course, cocaine. as you do when you're smuggling cocaine. And yeah. it turns out in, that in his hideout, he had this um, altar uh, altar with a big statue of La Santa Muerte surrounded with candles. So that's how he got connected to Santa Muerte. Wow. And then the brothers Amezcua, it was Jose, Adan, and Luis Amezcua Contreras. They were in charge of the Colima Cartel, uh, which was a very powerful meth ring. Mm-hmm. I never thought about meth in Mexico, but I, for some reason, anytime says like cocaine ring or meth ring, I think of like those fairy rings and people like just making circles with the meth in a circle and then you stand in the middle of it for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. I feel like that would be really dangerous with meth. A lot of explosions likely to happen. That's true. Oh, well. <laughs> well, this meth ring <laughs> did not do that. They, uh, But it was supposedly, it was supposedly said in a few articles about the their their crimes that the brothers were believers in Santa Muerte. So for me, it's really interesting just to think about the conversation of narco violence 
and La Santa Muerte and think about it in terms of like chicken and egg dilemma. So was she worshipped by drug cartels, which led to the rise of cartels, which led to the rise of her popularity, which led to more deaths? Or because there was a rise of cartel violence, people turned to La Santa to worship her and then she was connected by drug to drug cartels. I don't know what comes first. I don't know <laughs> where it starts. There's definitely some connections there, but it can't be just that simple. So what do you think, Brenda? So I was thinking about this and researching all these cases and all these murders. So I think it's definitely the second reason for sure. Just because to me, Santa Muerte always existed. Like it, it sounds like she's been, she's old. Like she's been something that has uh, been in the past for a long time. Uh, and then was later adopted by narco culture because if Santa Muerte is worshipped by marginalized communities, then isn't one of those communities the narcos? People who get into the drug trade aren't always the richest folks. There's a reason why you get into the drug trade, um, except for that cop. <laughs> he had no excuse. It's a cop. Actually, they probably don't get paid very well either. Probably. Yeah. So. Also, people who are the closest to death or have higher risks of dying, I think, seem to be the more, the people who gravitate towards this particular deity uh, and or monster, if you want to connect it back to our name. Um, and this also applies to the Kilroy case In when I was thinking about it. You know, at the time, during Kilroy's case, uh, the media was ripe for this type of story because the U.S. was just coming out or actually going into the satanic panic, a period where the U.S. media was overinflating the presence of satanic cults. So there was this whole panic, as the name describes, of people believing that everyone was a Satan worshiper and that these satanic cults were going around the U.S. and possibly exterminating people. So the gruesome details of this Kilroy case made for a sensational story and at the time fit right into the narrative that the U.S. media was building for both the narcos and satanic worship. Because at the same time that this story came out, not only was it the satanic panic that was going on, but the war of drugs was going on at the, at the exact same moment. So it just like, it just, mm, it just made like this two crossroads hit, collide. Crossroads as, as in the... The devil's crossroads. Yeah, the devil's crossroads just like <laughs> collided. Like they were just like, it was everything. It made for the perfect story. So just listen to this description from the Time Magazine article that I kept going back to. So, and I quote, To ingrate themselves with the devil, the killers boiled the brains and hearts of their victims, mixing the concoction with leg and arm bones and animal heads. So vicious were the devil worshippers that it took two pathologists laboring at a Matamoros mortuary almost four days to complete the autopsies. So it's pretty biased, I think. It's not just stating the facts. It's, it's really putting in and injecting emotion and trying to garner sympathy from the reader of and, and trying to paint this picture of these monsters and what they were doing and how it was very connected to the devil even though i don't know were they really you know were they really worshiping the devil i mean is there evidence of satanic worship 
in the way they were killing people? I don't think so, right? I didn't read anything that they were worshipping Satan. I don't think so either. I mean, I guess you could say murder can be read as satanic. But it, but it's but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like it's not. It's evil. Yeah, but it's not necessarily satanic in the way that we would define satanic. Like you're not sacrificing these people to Satan themselves, yet they're calling them devil worshippers. Yeah. So there's a huge bias there in the article itself. So to go back to our essential question for this episode is: so were Kilroy's killers Santa Muerte worshippers? And from what I read, we know they're not Satan worshippers, even though that article was like, mm-mm, that's bullshit. From what I read, uh, they were and they weren't. Uh, a lot of the stories I read mentioned more Santeria and Palo Mayombe, but not as much Santa Muerte. I don't know. What do you think? I think you're right. They were definitely proclaimed to be Santeria followers. But that's what's so fascinating about the case and this time period in that you're right, it's like the perfect storm. Satanism, drug violence, and and then you put Santeria and Santa Muerte in there, it just becomes so much evil, right? It becomes red yes. as everything is so evil. Um, and Texas also has like a really interesting history with um, the satanic panic. Because one of the big ones was here in Austin, I think. Austin or San Antonio. Was that the kindergartner? Yeah, that was like a daycare where they thought mm. um, so that that they thought that the the daycare workers were smuggling the kids from Texas to Mexico actually to be sold into like child labor and all this sort of stuff. But then they would bring them back in time for their kids to pick them up or for their parents yeah, to pick it, them up. Yeah, they had like secret tunnels that they then couldn't find and yeah. Basically, that case that case is a hot mess. I've I've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts that go over that case because, as usual, true crime podcasts go over the same fucking case over and over <laughs> and over again because there's only so many white people cases that they can fucking get, you know. Hey, we're going to. over it too. <laughs> we are, but For this different is a case I've never different perspective. But this is a case I've never heard of. Yeah, and I listen to a lot of true crime. Let me tell you, I listen to a lot. <laughs> But, and this one was one that caught me by surprise. Yeah, it's it's really a weird one. And my favorite part of that, like the satanic panic, was they thought... So I, if people know the geography of Texas, it's a giant state. Yeah, it's huge. And there's no way, like, how are they going to get the kids from Austin all the way to Mexico? That's like a five-hour drive at least. But if they oh were going God. through these secret, secret tunnels... Were they walking? Like I don't understand. <laughs> no, they were they were high speed trains. Yeah. Oh. You know that they built Got it. and then dismantled before the police could find it. That makes perfect sense now. I right. Completely. Yes. The devil. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> high speed devil train. Yeah, and and that's what was happening with the the Constanzo case, the the murder of Kilroy and the other people there. Um. What was really happening, I think, was Constanzo and his followers were following or were practicing a perverted version of Santeria. So for him, it seemed like he was using Santeria and all this imagery to get people to follow him and to fear him. So maybe the other people that followed him believed it. I'm not sure he did. Um, but it it turned into Santeria became paint, was painted as this evil... Um, 
belief system as well, where there's torture and there's sacrifice, which is not the case. Santeria is not like that at all. Um, So I was doing a little bit of research and at the heart of Santeria is people that follow Santeria are trying to find harmony with everything around them. They're trying to find the Ache, which is the spiritual energy that they can gain and maintain um, and that moves from people to people and from just living things, right? So like the earth, mm-hmm. plants, animals. Um, and you and it's moved by doing generous or kind acts. So that is in many ways the heart of Santeria. Oh, okay. Um, and much like other religious practices in Latin America and the Caribbean, Santeria is also a mixture of cultures and beliefs. So for Santeria, it's African, Caribbean, and European. And then Palo Mayombe, uh, Palo is like the religion, broadly speaking, and Mayombe is the denomination of it. Um, and again, Palo Mayombe is a religion that believes and looks for harmony uh, with other natural earthly elements. So whatever Constanzo and his folks were doing was neither of those things. It just had that name. <laughs> yeah, it was nothing like that at all. Yeah. They were cooking like human parts and turtle parts in like a giant pot that makes no sense and no connection to Santeria at all. No, exactly. So what they were doing was just a perverted version of these belief systems, but it was so easy for the media to say, this is what it is. So this is what Santeria looks like. This is what Santa Muerte looks like. This is what... You know, all drug cartels are going to do. They're Satanists. <laughs> yeah, because it sounded to me like they just took everything and they grouped everything into a giant pile, just like that iron pot, man. Just gonna, I'm just going to go back to that pot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> just like that pot. What was the media doing? They were throwing crap into it, and they were like, Santeria is the same thing. Santa Muerte is the same thing. Palo Mayombe is the same thing. Like, they're just going to throw it in there and just call it call the pot satanism yeah and that's it yeah and that's what they they did and that's that's really fascinating so i think that's basically it for this episode it was a fairly short episode but for our next episode please join us where we will continue talking about la santa muerte unless you have one last thing to say orquídea about santa muerte in this section um no i don't think so i'm excited for a conversation next week um, we'll, we'll be talking about her followers a little bit in more detail, her followers beyond the narco. We're also going to touch on what the Catholic Church thinks of, of Santa Muerte and also the history of Santa Muerte. So we're going to take it back a little bit more and talk about uh, a deeper dive of Santa Muerte, not just what the media and what other people have portrayed this deity as. Yeah. It'll be uh, like the e-true Hollywood story version of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to tell you the real story in the next episode. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Please leave a, um, please rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you think. Uh, and if you have any monsters, creatures, or legends that you want us to cover, if you have any stories about your uh, beliefs with uh, or connections to Santa Muerte, please let us know. Um, also, one thing I forgot to say: Happy New Year, because oh, this is going to yeah. come out in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, 
I didn't think I would make it. I didn't think so either. I didn't think the planet would make it. <laughs> I mean, we're going in pretty shittily. Like, don't get us wrong. It's it's already starting enough whack, you know? Yeah. It can only so get better, right? It can only... Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like every year I say that, and it just gets worse and worse every single time. But anyways, let us know. Please help us uh, spread the word if you really like listening to us. It really helps us get out there, uh, rate, review, and subscribe again. And also, please connect with us on social media. We'll be posting pictures of, uh, as soon as as this episode drops, we're actually going to be posting the original article that I was mentioning, the Time article, uh, but also some photos. And I found some gruesome photos, so if you want to check those out, please check them out on Twitter which is uh, our Twitter is Monstras Podcast, or you can email us at monstraspodcast at gmail.com. So we would love to hear from you. Anyways, thanks so much. And until next time, goodbye. Bye.